This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollandsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Happy New Year. It is Sunday, January 1st, 2023, and we're doing another year of Heath in Pursuit. Look, I've said this last year as well. I was like, man, I did not... I didn't do as many podcasts as I was hoping for in 2022, but um, I'm also trying to give myself some grace that like I've got a lot going on, and... But it's, I'm, it's all excuses, right? I'm going to... I'm going to figure out how to do some more this year, hopefully get some time to to get in and dive into some topics, have some cool guests on. And I just thought it'd be fun to start off 2023 with a story and some lessons learned. And this podcast, um, <clears throat> this one's devoted to my friend Benjamin, because a few weeks ago, he he's just a really great dude. And one of the things I love most about Benjamin is you never know what you're going to get from him. And so he sent me a text asking, like, how can I help you? And I said, you know, push me to do something creatively. And um, he said, why don't you... I had told him a little bit about the story of of what I'm going to share here. And he said, why don't you... That's what I want you to do. I want you to do a podcast on your experience. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's go. So this one is dedicated to my friend, Mr. Benjamin. Uh, And I'm calling this one, What I've Learned from sleeping with monks uh, because I uh, this is based off an experience that happened to me about three weeks ago um, okay so uh, preface my friend Danny called and said hey there's an abbey that I like to go to and if you've never been to an abbey you should come with me because I need a break from this world and we need to escape so I said let's go I'm always down for new experiences and so we went on a drive and I'm going to I don't know, I'm just going to share this experience, and I'm going to, I don't know what people might find, like, oh, you shouldn't have shared that, so I'm going to just, I'm not going to tell you where we went, what state, who we talked to, I'm not going to tell you any of that stuff, uh, just to protect, I don't know, anyone who might be upset or whatever, so, okay, so we go down to this abbey, and I didn't know what I was getting into, but this abbey is beautiful, and an abbey, for those who um, who are not totally sure what an abbey is, uh, it's an it's a just a bunch of buildings or uh, like a it's a retreat center that is full of a community of either monks or nuns. And um, this was a Catholic abbey, and there was a good chunk of nuns there, or not nuns, sorry, of monks there. There was no nuns there. Um, but the beautiful thing, I mean, there's some plus and minuses across the board. I had a really fun time, but I didn't know what I was getting into. So uh, we drive down there. We're in good spirits. We get uh, some bottles of water just because we don't know what the tap water is going to be like, the situation. But Danny had been there before, and he's like, dude, this is pretty cool. It's pretty primitive, or not primitive. It's pretty like practical they're modern and uh but i still didn't know what i was getting into so so we get to this abbey 
and we arrive on a Monday, and I think we're there for two days, two nights, three days, two nights, and uh, they have all their meals catered, and now each monk will have a different assignment at the Abbey, so the way that they live for free is they have jobs, and this Abbey, each Abbey has some different things, so like one Abbey has like, they make chocolates. This Abbey we were at, the, the monks make candles and beer. They have a brewery on site uh, where they brew their, their Belgian beer, which is so good. Um, and so like one of the monks is the head brewer there. And one of the monks oversees the grounds. And one of them oversees the bookstore. And one of them oversees the check-in for the guest house that we stayed in. And the guest house, so we check in. And the guest house, I think this was like 200 bucks for 220 bucks something like that for two nights um and you get your own room and each room has like a bed and a desk and a small bathroom and that's it it's like a it's like a hotel but it's designed really well like it looks like ikea so this this guest house that we stayed in was actually like a four-story building with a bunch of rooms it, it, you know it'd feel like a hotel except it didn't have like a TV in the room and that sort of stuff. So I'll talk about that here in a minute. But we get checked in. We start walking around. We find out that the monks uh, are very... Um, <clears throat> they're very accommodating to guests because guests can go there. And you can go there for silent retreats. You can go there to, you know, to do some education stuff. You could go there just to engage with the monks and get off the grid. Um People have many intentions while you go there, and you're not forced to do anything that they do. But they, uh, these monks have six prayer services seven days a week. So they start at like five in the morning, and the last one's about eight o'clock at night. And all through the day, they've got these services that last anywhere from you know 25 minutes to an hour every day. And they're on time, and it starts on time, and it's it's really it's it's a really fun experience, and the. the the weather was kind of cold and ominous, and it was dark early, and the cathedral that uh, was right outside the guest house, it was a giant, beautiful cathedral, was all lit up, and it was foggy, and just kind of mysterious, and the monks wear all these black outfits, they're called habits, actually, and so I would assume this is a lot of like what you would picture it being like in a movie, like you've got the monks, they stay to themselves. They wear their black outfits. They're called habits. Um, and they are, they stay to themselves and they do their own thing. They're not rude, but they're also not like seeking out conversation and like the most outgoing, like, what's up, guys? Welcome. Yeah, they, they're happy to engage and have conversation if you run into them. Some of them. I found a couple of them to be very kind and a couple to be not so kind. Uh, and we'll talk about there in a minute. We'll talk about that, that situation here in a minute, but um, <clears throat> so first night we go to the prayer service. I slept in every day um, for the 5 a.m. service, but there's these giant bells that ring out across the whole abbey, like giant church bells five minutes before service. So luckily I brought a white noise machine and I slept through that because I didn't want to wake up at five o'clock for any of those services, but um but we walk into this guest house. It's beautiful. I've got my own room. Um, I didn't expect things to shut down so early. So like at about eight o'clock, because I get back up to pray again at like five, 
and I was talking to one of the monks. He's like, I'm usually up like three, three thirty. So they do like the eight o'clock service and then it shuts down. Like things shut down for the night and I'm a night owl. So I'm like sitting there in my room. I didn't bring my computer intentionally. I didn't have a TV in the room. So you're like, I got to spend four or five hours a night just sitting in silence and reading. Those were literally my two options, um, which was actually kind of a nice reprieve uh, from the chaos of the world. But you go in. When it was mealtime, it was really great. We would uh, say a prayer blessing before each meal. And all the meals were catered. Three meals a day. So it was like really good food. It wasn't like cafeteria gross. The banquet hall was like all windows overlooking this, on this like a mountainside overlooking the city. Like it was a really beautiful facility. And so I'm going to tell you like, so I've got these giant fields you can walk around and do your thing in and sit and read or just go stand under the trees. They've got the brewery on site that you can go drink beer. Um, They've got a coffee shop. That's really great. Serve great coffee. And they've got a gift shop. They've got a huge, like, Scandinavian-inspired library with, like, two stories, thousands and thousands of books. And that's where I spent a lot of time. So I have that. They have the place where you stay, the guest house. They've got the cathedral you can go sit in and quiet and pray and light a candle. They've got the monks' quarters where the monks live. They've got a seminary on the site, so they have places where all the seminary students are staying. And um, and that's about what the grounds are like. Um, really well maintained. Like when we were there, there was people like with landscaping companies that were blowing the leaves. And so it was very well tended to. Um, furniture was real modern. It felt like I was in Ikea, which was really, which was really kind of cool. But things shut down early and things start really early. Breakfast is at 7 a.m. And if you're not there, you don't get to eat. Uh, but it's all you can eat, catered food. And they would have like, I'm trying to think like an example of dinner would be like, you'd have salad with like six different types of dressing. And then you'd have like a couple types of vegetables. And then one night we had like steak and then rolls and then dessert and drinks. And they had a bunch of different types of water and wine and sparkling water and juices. And so like, it was really... My thought going into it was it going to be like, like junior high camp, <laughs> like everything's kind of half-assed and not that great. But that is just not the case. It was beautiful. Um, we had an opportunity to spend some time with some monks, which is kind of fun because, like, you know, they're in their black monk outfits. But like one of the monks we were talking to just pulls out his iPhone and adding stuff to his calendar, and, <laughs> and so it was kind of funny to see that stereotype broken because I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought it was just going to be a bunch of like somber people that were kind of weird because they don't interact with other humans and they just pray all day. But uh, it was a really great experience. We had mealtime. Some of the monks would come and sit with us. Sometimes we would uh, see them walking around and shake hands with them. We'd talk to them at the gift store. But there was a hierarchy that existed at this place. It was really kind of fascinating. So at this abbey, you have the abbot, who is like the CEO of the abbey. Um, and this abbot essentially has... <clears throat> oh, man, how do I want to describe this? Okay, so... And I'm, I might mess up some of these numbers because, again, this is just kind of what I remember from the conversation. But if I'm off on the numbers slightly, it's not going to affect 
the truth of what I'm saying. And I'll give you a good gist of it. So, uh, when you want to become a monk, there are some things that must happen. Like, there are just some things that you can't, like, you can't have a family and be a monk. Like, that sort of stuff. And it's also people that are seeking out to be monks. This is a lifelong calling, they would say, that they were called by God to do this. And so, no one's forced to be there. But what happens is they have essentially like you become, you, you're a monk, but you're like a junior monk for a couple years while you just figure out what what you're doing. When you're done with your junior monk, and I think he said that was like three year process, then you have up to six years where you can renew saying your sacred vows. And once you say your sacred vows, that's essentially your lifelong pledge to the, to the brotherhood of monks. And so... If you're not ready at your three, you can like ask for an extension to make that decision to make sure that's what you want to do. And you have a couple of years to keep renewing that extension. But at some point they go, hey, you can't keep renewing this. You either got to like, you either got to join us for life or go. And it was kind of cool. Oh, they had a cemetery there too with a chapel, a bunch of chapels you could go pray in and reading spots. But the cemetery was on site for all the monks that die there. So essentially... You live in this place and you die in this place. This is where you call home once you make these sacred vows. Now, what I was shocked to learn was that I thought like Catholic, Roman Catholic monks, I just had so many stereotypes walking in and they kind of blew my mind from like the building and what they ate and how they talked and their access to technology and there were some really beautiful moments and then some things that were kind of disturbing. And so I'm going to talk about them all because why not? Um, so I think where I'll start is the first meal we had, the monk who oversaw the, the dining hall was just really awful to the catering company in front of everybody, like uncomfortably awkward. Like I'm sick of ordering this much food and blah, 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 blah. And the guy's like, look, there's food in the back. And it was just like, really tense. And so when I was talking to one of the other monks about that, so you had him and then you had another monk that ran another uh, part of the, a, a part of the property. I'm trying to be really careful with my words. He ran another part of the property and he was really awful to his staff. And there was a lady working there and I just felt like bad for her because he just was on her all the time. <clears throat> well, when I started talking to the other monks, they're like, yeah, there's reasons these people are grumpy. Like the guy in, the guy that yells at the catering company, he used to be a priest at a local church, a Catholic church. And the abbot pulled him from that and put him on the abbey and put him in charge of the food. And he hates it. And so, of course, he's going to be a jerk because he's miserable. Uh, and everyone knows he's miserable. And that's for him to work out his issues. And I thought that was really interesting was these tenets of what makes somebody you would think be a faith person, like peace and kindness and joy and love and all these things that Jesus talked about. That just wasn't the experience of how these monks were treating people because they were upset that they were essential. It's, it's, it's kind of militaristic in the sense of, no, this is your job now. And once I decide that I'm done with you here, I'm going to move you here. And you're a monk for life. So guess what? You're doing it. Um, so they were just like, yeah, he's grumpy because he had so much freedom down the hill. He, he ran his church. He had his, old, he had his own house there and all that was taken from him. And then he was put on food duty and he's bitter and he's been bitter. 
And so uh, I just thought that was really fascinating. Another thing that I thought was was fascinating was um, how vocal some of these monks were about how much they're not happy there. For instance, I was talking to one of the monks, and uh, this monk is um, identifies as homosexual, and uh, which is actually really, we're not going to say uncommon, because we'll talk about that here in a minute, but um, he was just constantly talking about how much he hated that place, and he's he wasn't he wasn't certain that he wanted to be a monk forever. He hasn't said a sacred vow so he can leave. But he was very vocal in front of everyone else about how unhappy he was. In fact, there was a situation when we were leaving where he was like, hey, one of the staff workers walked by and was like, oh, is, is Heath trying to get you to, to move to Tacoma? And he said to the other staff worker, like, yeah, he is, and you better not tempt me because you know how much I hate it here. And that's just kind of like, I always thought monks would be solidified in their call and... They're just there to shut up and listen. And and this monk was unhappy because he was placed in a position working at this abbey. And he was moved jobs to a job that he wasn't given all the information. So he felt a little bit duped. But that is the hierarchy of the church is this is for you to wrestle through. And so he'd be like, I was frustrated. And then the response from the leadership is like, well, we're sorry. That's not our problem. Like your frustration and anger is your problem. That's for you to work out. And it was really interesting watching his tension of wrestling through like, is this, do I hate this because this is God growing me? Or do I hate it because I'm miserable? And I think it's really fascinating because in so many conversations that I have, there's not, there's this kind of sense of autonomy or individualistic pursuit that would say like, if this makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to alleviate this. And I think there is something beautiful about this spiritual tradition that these monks were participating in that was like, no, maybe this, maybe I hate it because this is, this is God turning me into a better person. This is God purifying me. This is God. And and most time, I know my case and, and many of my friends, it's like, if the going gets tough, we give up or we walk away or we go like, this is not what God would have for me. Yet, the monks were like, look, I'm miserable here, but I'm committed to this thing. And I hope God's actually doing what he said he was going to do. And that I'm working this out. And that these leadership frustrations, they didn't look at it as a systemic issue. They looked at it as an individualistic issue that they had to work out between them and God, which I thought was really fascinating. And I didn't expect that at all. The monks are given 10 days a year off. So they can leave the abbey. They can go on vacation. They can go home for holidays, that sort of stuff. But um, the other thing that was really interesting was these monks were very ritual. They take care of each other. But there's a lot of hierarchy even in this complex where all the monks live. So you have all these guys living in the same room or in the same building. And you've got young and old and people that have been there forever and people that are new to it. And they have varying degrees of what their hopes are for the church. And so... Um, one of the conversations we were learning that like it's crazy because the old monks don't really like the new guys and the new guys don't like the old guys so the new guys are waiting for the old guys to die off so they can make changes and like hey we're gonna fix this place and the old guys are like you're not gonna fix our building this is an institution and so essentially you have like this passive aggressive 
back and forth with a bunch of people that literally live with each other and don't escape each other. You don't get mad and then like, I'm going to Starbucks because you don't have a vehicle like that. Um, and so, I, you know, I learned there was a lot of tension between this brotherhood. Yet, they would still gather six times a day for prayer and they would sing together and pray together and talk together and line up together and enter the room together and leave the room together. But it just, yeah, it was a little wild. It was a little wild to view. Um, growing up really religious, I thought it was fascinating how rote, uh, yet enchanting the services were. So, uh, so you'd walk into the, the chapel for the service and they'd have books lined up with kind of the reading for that day, depending on what prayer time it is. So, um, like typically on a day you would have like, you'd have these different services and the last night one was called the comp line. And what that was, was they had a set series of prayers and then the priest would, or the monks would line up and then the abbot would come with like this scepter of water and like splash it on you, kind of like insinuating, like washing you of the day and you start over again tomorrow, which is really kind of cool. Um, but there was an informalness and a roteness that was pretty unaccommodating to those who don't participate in Catholic services often. So me not being Catholic, they were standing and sitting and bowing and do this and do that. And I felt like I was, <laughs> I felt like I was way out of my league. And it wasn't, there was no sort of like informative, like stand up here and we're going to teach you how to join us. It was like, no, this is what we're doing. Figure it out if you want to join us. We're going to keep going with or without you. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, like on a typical day, you'd have like, uh, so like on a regular weekday, I'm looking at the schedule right now, you'd have like a 525 vigil. And then at 635, you'd have the lauds, eight o'clock, you'd have mass, 12 o'clock, you'd have midday prayer, 520, you'd have vespers, and then 730, you'd have compline or compline. And then, um, after that, the monks would go to bed and wake up at 3.30 or so and get ready for the next day and be there at 5.25 uh, worshiping. There was a cadence to their prayers that was really kind of cool. Um, that was sort of unique. As we're reading through like kind of the hymnal, everything was very monotone, but it was very memorable. So a lot of the singing, it wasn't, it wasn't hooky and catchy like contemporary music is. It was very much like, who is the Lord's in the house? The house of the Lord says us. Like whatever, whatever the thing is. But it was very like rhythmic chanty, which I found actually spent some time, like it was just kind of in your head for the rest of the day, which I think actually is a purpose of them doing some of that. It was to like get this material, this spiritual material, material into their minds and their hearts as they go about their work for the day. Um, something else I found kind of interesting was I'm talking about the seminary students on the property and how about half of them, now again, these are all men, about half of them are, uh, are gay and that will be the future of the church, which puts the old folks that are monks that have been there for 30 years or 50 years or 80 years on edge because they're going to die and these young folks are going to disturb what they've held out for the church to be. And it's really interesting because 
one of the people we were talking to had stated that <clears throat> that most of these uh, progressive monks that are in seminary right now uh, actually prefer a very liturgical service, like services in Latin, moving a, away from anything contemporary in the service to very, very traditional, which is something that I don't totally understand. Um, but we didn't have enough time to get into why that was the case, but it does seem like the future of the church, of the Catholic church, at least in what's being risen up in these seminaries of these guys that will take over churches, is a progressive uh, social theology and a very, very, very conservative approach to the form and function of how church is done, which I thought was interesting. I spent a lot of time in the library, honestly, either the coffee shop or the library. And I also napped a lot, which was really fun because you you do have these times, these prayer times, and you have the meal times, and you've got this and that, but you it almost operates like a world that doesn't have time because there's no real agenda. Like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to the prayer services. If you want to leave site and go have dinner off site, there's not like a gate kicking you out. Like you're not welcome back in or like you've offended the monks because you went off site. No, it was just like, come and go as you wish. Wake up when you want, sleep when you want. Middle of the afternoon, want to come read and fall asleep and take a two hour nap and get up, go for it. Like you've got nowhere to be. No one's waiting on you. There's no meetings. There's no Zoom calls. And I found that to be, I found the silence at times to be really deafening. Like, I remember being in the library. Like I said, I spent a ton of time there because I'm a, I'm a nerd. But the silence hurt my ears at times. It was so quiet that there was ringing in my ears and I felt like a little paranoia at times. Like, I just need to get out of here. I need to go hear the wind in the trees or some bird or, or like a coffee machine going off, like something, because it was just so quiet. And and this library, like I said, it's massive, tens of thousands of square feet. And there might have been three of us in there. So it was just really, really kind of cool. That was still set up really technologically, so they'd have like your computers and you search for the topic and they give you the books and it's it's set up like an actual library you get your dewey decimal number and you go find the book and find the the shelf it's on you could check out the books while you're there and return them when you leave uh which was really great and there's no cost to any of that it's just that was really beautiful the time thing was a really a really weird thing for me but i also found it very freeing because by the end i was like man, we have to get on the road so we can get home by this time. What time do we need to leave here? And it just felt like, yep, running back into the chaos that we know is not natural. Um, and so that was kind of fascinating to me. The other thing that was fascinating was just how much time I had to just contemplate and sit and be off my phone intentionally and live in the experience of whatever was happening was happening. There'd be other guests that, like, I remember there's one guy that was, I showed up for the night. He was a young kid, 21 years old. Crazy story. Uh, but he he's an intern at his church, and one of the things he has to go through is, at his internship is a, a night away at this abbey. And so he came, and he was young, and we made friends with him and hung out and talked. And it wasn't awkward, but there was also this sense of like, 
yeah, maybe we'll see you around. Maybe we won't. Maybe you'll be gone by the morning. Maybe we'll be here. Maybe we'll run into you tonight at midnight. If you're perusing the halls looking for books or, <laughs> or looking at artwork, which is another thing. The artwork across this abbey was stunning. Everything was so intentional. In the dining hall, they had a really beautiful two or three pieces of art. And in the guest house, there was art all along the walls and statues and figures. And um, and then walking into this cathedral that felt so huge. I mean, it was huge. It felt like a European cathedral. And there was like 10 people in the service. Um, and when you walk in, it's not... Uh, you know, smoke and lights and sound music playing, waiting for the service to start with a countdown clock. It was quiet, and you just go sit. And when the service is over, you can stay all night. You can go into that building at 2 in the morning and just sit in this cathedral by yourself and pray or light a candle and pray for somebody or read or sit in silence and meditate. Um, It was very... uh, just very interesting how open the whole facility was, um, which I really enjoyed. So what are my big takeaways? I gave you a lot of the semantics of kind of how it operated. I've told you a couple of the takeaways too, but I think the biggest takeaway is just the presence, the, the power of slowing down, the, the power of not having an agenda, of, of understanding that... <clears throat> You know, you can be in service, church service, five, six times a day, every day of the week, and still be miserable, and still not understand your calling, and that's okay. And I've also learned a lot about slowing down from this service. Uh, it was interesting because my buddy Danny, who I went down there with, was like, "Hey, any kind of takeaways as we're driving home?" And there was nothing like mind blowing that stood out to me, but over the next two or three days, like this idea of codependency was a word that I've been kind of wrestling through. And for some reason, I've never thought of that word. I've never done any research on it. I don't even know what it means, but I just felt this urge of like, Heath, this is something that is in your life that you need to deal with. And so now I'm trying to pursue figuring that out. But all that to say, the monks are a really lovely bunch and they don't always get along And they have varying degrees of thoughts and opinions on how things should be and who should be there and who shouldn't and how things should work and how things shouldn't. But getting away, spending time with some folks that think differently than you, having no access to technology, shutting things down at 8 p.m. and staying silent until service the next morning, like there's a real beauty to slowing down. And I think it'd be worthwhile for many people, including myself, to return to that concept often because the world we live in is so much faster and exhausting than we realize because we live in it day in, day out. So when I'm re-entering, even just after three days of being out of it, feeling exhausted and stressed, and I'm like, no wonder we are so tightly wound all the time because we don't understand. We're like the the frogs that are slowly boiling in our culture. Like we don't understand how short we are and how addicted we are to our devices and how quick we are to assume certain things about people without really trying to engage them. Like how short our attention span is, that sort of stuff. Like that's all things that I'm now wrestling with after having spent uh, a few days sleeping with the monks. So 
That's my takeaways. Maybe there's something in there. Slow down this year. 2023, you don't have to run full speed. Take some time and breathe. Shut your phone off. The world's going to keep moving on, regardless of how fast or how slow you're running. It's not waiting for you. It's not waiting for me, and it never will be. And I'm going to do some more podcasts this year, so be listening to that. Hope you have a really great 2023. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby, please visit heathinpursuit.com.